0: Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin's wide range of beautiful wood designs can be painted, stained, or unfinished to complement any decor. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Visit PellaWI.com.
1: Expires 9-30-2022. Certain restrictions apply to showroom for details.
2: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now,
3: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let's get right to it, including one of the big one of the big things of the day you might have heard Scafidi and I talking about cover 5 um this it, it if you've never heard of this before it's actually it's a lot of fun and this year WTMJ is making it a, a lot easier to participate in this public league what what cover 5 is it's a, it's a season long competition although If you get bored with it, there's no penalty for dropping out or anything like that, where every week what you do is you pick five football games against the the spread. And the spread is, of course, the line of, you know, who's the favorite and who's not. So, for example, the way – and then you you accumulate points. you got to pick five games. So if the Packers are three-point favorites over the Vikings and the Packers win – by 10 points, what you do is you get seven points. The, the difference between the three points they were favored by and the 10 points they won by, 10 minus three, let's see, carry that. It's seven. So you, you get seven points. And it works the other way as well. If you're on the wrong end of one of these, you pick, I don't know, a, a team that's favored by 10 and they lose by 20, well, then then you, you lose 30 points, the the difference, the 10 that they were favored by and the 20 they won by. And it's, it's just kind of a, it's a fun sort of thing. Unlike fantasy football, it really doesn't require that much time. I mean, you don't have you just you, I, I do it in about five minutes, which probably explains sometimes how I end up. But it, it's it's just a fun thing to do. And we are encouraging people to sign up on some of our through our WTMJ leagues. Matter of fact, I get this. Note from my boss the other yesterday saying, "Well, we're going to have a competition. See who signs up the most people. WTMJ or ESPN." Well, e- even though our, our our listenership on WTMJ is significantly larger than on ESPN, people on ESPN have very, very dedicated, very, very um devoted. And I think there's like a there, there's more signups right now on ESPN. So if you're thinking about doing this, we would encourage you. So here here's how you you do it. You join Cover Five for free either at Cover5.com or on the free Cover 5 app for your chance to win $100 per week. Again, you pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread throughout the regular season wins a $400 Ticket King gift card. Join the WTMJ contest on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com for free. Pick five football games against the spread each week, all season long, here's what you do. If if you want to make it easy, you can just go to our website. It's WTMJ.com. You'll see a contest page. Click on that. You'll see Cover 5. Click on that. The code is WTMJ22. Get it? WTMJ, the call letters of the radio station. And 22 because... It's 2022. And then you can, you can sign up and whoever again has the highest point total each week wins a hundred bucks and a $400 ticket king gift card for the person that wins the season. And even though I can't win the hundred dollars a week and I can't win the $400 ticket king thing at the end of the year, I, I'm registered to play under my own name. So. You can follow how well I do and compete against me and mock me when I go down in flames as I have the last couple of years. So it's Cover 5. The The promo code, the invite code is WTMJ2020. The pre- promo code is WTMJ22. That's what you need to get into the contest. And you can do it through our website or just Cover5.com. So should be a lot of fun, and we encourage people to participate jeff i just joined and made my picks all right great see that's it is that easy to do and it's a fun thing and we're encouraging people to do it and there's no cost and, and again it's one of these deals where nobody is go- the cover five police aren't going to come out and grab you if you've decided that okay I'm, I'm this it's too much work or it's not enough fun or I'm not enjoying this and you want to bail That that's okay you don't have to pay to get in it it's not a contest like that but if you do well in a particular week you get a hundred bucks can't go wrong with that and you have a little bit of fun picking games against the spread and if nothing else it's bragging right so WTMJ 2020 is the code to sign up, and I hope a lot of people join it. All right, we'll remind you of that one more time. Something else that I want to remind you of, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Wagner there is what we used to call flagrant acts of journalism being committed by a Milwaukee website called Wisconsin Right Now. And it is a conservative website, but what they've been trying to do is fill in some of the blanks that, for whatever reason, the mainstream media has chosen to not cover in the ongoing election process. Now, Tony Evers has maintained since he took over as governor that his goal is to reduce the Wisconsin prison population by 50%. Now, I think that's crazy. But the only two ways that you can reduce the Wisconsin prison population by 50 percent first is to appoint judges and support district attorneys who won't lock up criminals. Well, okay, how how well is not locking up criminals working out for us? How, how, how well is setting ridiculously low bails and letting people out? How is that working out for us? Well, not really that well. How is putting people on probation and double-secret probation and triple-secret probation, how is that working out? How is taking juveniles who steal car after car after car and go on high-speed chases and putting them back out on the streets in two or three days, how is that working out for? Us? And my answer would be not well, but that's that's part of the That's part of the recipe that Evers. And by the way, Mandela Barnes, he is also on the record as saying he supports this idea entirely. Isn't it interesting that nobody in the media asks him about this? You know what? Did you really support do you still really support reducing the prison population by 50 percent? You think that's a good thing? So part of it is not putting people in prison. All right. The other part is releasing people Early from their prison terms, and the the argument has been, oh, the the only people that we're releasing on parole, you don't have to worry about it. It's they, these are nonviolent criminals. These are people who you you don't have to worry about this. This they didn't do this any bad stuff. And the implication would be, you know, we've got people that are they're they're there for twenty five years on sentences because they sold a little pot, which is of course the big lie. That that's not that there, there might be that unicorn. There might be a couple people there in that category, but that's not. The majority, that's not even close to the majority of people who are in prison. And what it's now turning out is that the Evers administration and through their parole commission is releasing a ton of people, including a lot of dangerous people. So Wisconsin right now has been highlighting this. And what they found is that they've released at least 884 convicted criminals early, including, get this, 270 murderers and attempted murderers and more than 44 child rapists. And what this website is doing on a daily basis now is they're starting to highlight some of the people that Tony Evers' administration has made the decision to release early. And I've got a link to the story today. Gladys Redlick, 76 was walking her schnauzer dog along the Menominee River Parkway in Wauwatosa one morning in 1982 when a bullet ripped through her back and exited her chest. Sorry to be graphic, according to the newspaper articles from the time. The killing was random. She was chosen because her killer simply wanted to murder someone that day for no reason at all. For no reason at all. The killer was Scott Jenkins. A sniper shooting a rifle outfitted with a scope. He hit at Wood's Edge and decided to kill a random person. First, he shot at a jogger and at cars on the freeway, but he missed. One rifle shot hit a camper, almost striking a sleeping baby inside. Jenkins then settled in a clump of bushes on the parkway, holding a .30-caliber rifle about 70 feet away from Redlick, who was walking her dog. Jenkins fired a single shot, striking her in the chest, according to the Associated Press in 1982. I just put the scope on several people, then I shot the old lady, Jenkins told police, according to an article in the Marshfield News-Herald, creepily creepily. I'm not sure that's a word. Creepily. After murdering her, Jenkins jogged towards Redlick as she lay bleeding on the sidewalk and pretended to be a passerby who came to help the dying victim he had just shot. Redlick, a widow and a mother, died that day. The judge sentenced Jenkins to life in prison for first-degree murder, 20 years for attempted murder, and five years each on convictions for endangering safety, and the sentences were supposed to run consecutively. All right? Um, let's see. Um, the life sentence, inmates with life sentences, don't qualify for mandatory release. And the parole commission... And this is Tony Evers's parole commission confirmed in writing that none of the parolees in that list that they provided to the uh, website was a mandatory release. In other words, Evers parole commission did not have to release Jenkins and the various other criminals that we talk about, but they did. Jenkins is now out in the community paroled. Early on his life plus whatever sentences he was released in March of 2020 and currently resides in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jenkins, by the way, is 61 years old. So presumably he'll have another, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years of life ahead of him to live as a free man. Meanwhile, the woman who he murdered in cold blood, well, she never saw another sunrise she never saw another sunset her children had to live with this idea that her life had been taken the mother their mother's life had been taken away um simply because she decided to, I don't know, walk her dog and was in the wrong place at the wrong time. These are the type of people that are being released on a regular basis. And at least one website is doing what, again, I consider to be a flagrant act of journalism. They're highlighting the type of people that are being turned out and turned loose. And so when Mandela Barnes or Tony Evers says, we will not release violent criminals, not working out that way. If you want to read more about the story, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 Hey, Wisconsin, the leaves are starting to fall, and you know what that means. It's time to get your home prepped for winter, and it's time for Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank. This week, we're featuring Bruce's team, senior real estate specialists. Visit their website at brucesteam.com. It's Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase on Wisconsin's radio station, 620 WTMJ. All right, I'm sorry my blood pressure is going through the roof, my producer Charlie behind glass windows, which is good because this is another one of those days when my head is ready to expire explode i we could spend a half hour a day on these various stories but the word is not getting out when it comes to reckless driving and fleeing from the police it's just not getting out and part of the reason is because there are no consequences for doing this and until we have a sea change of attitudes These stories are going to continue until we say, when you get caught doing this, you are going to jail. You are not going to get out of jail for a year or two or three. Or if you are a juvenile, you're going to be waived into adult court. Or if you're a juvenile, you're going to immediately be put in detention and you're not going to be allowed out for a year or whatever. Until we do this, we are going to have these stories, one after another, that put all of us at risk. And, and it's not just, oh, you've got a bunch of punks that are driving and fleeing from the police or whatever. It's when they do that, they put all the rest of us at risk. So three stories, not one, not two, but three stories from the last, well, it's not even 48 hours. All, from, just, all we have to do is go to the Fox 6 website in this case. Milwaukee police pursuit involving stolen vehicles, two girls arrested. Milwaukee police were involved in a pursuit of a stolen vehicle Friday morning, September 9th. According to police, around 2.21 a.m., the officers observed a vehicle that matched the description of a reported stolen auto. They attempted to make a stop. However, the driver fled, and a vehicle pursuit ensued. Okay, 2 o'clock in the morning, cops see a stolen car, they, fo- they start to follow it, car takes off. The vehicle crashed into a parked, unoccupied vehicle near 34th and Juneau and continued fleeing. So it bangs into a car. It keeps going. The pursuit ends when the vehicle stopped near 27th and Juneau. The driver and passenger were arrested on the scene. The vehicle was confirmed to be stolen. You want to know what the dazzling detail about this story is? The dazzling detail. Two o'clock in the morning, stolen car flees from the cops. The two girls driving or in the vehicle, the driver was a 12-year-old girl, 12 years old. The passenger was a 15-year-old girl. I, and I, I think I've got it right, but even if even if they're, that's the way stories written, but even if it's switched around, a 15 year old girl and a 12 year old girl, it's 2:30 in the morning. You've got these two punks out off, driving a stolen car who take off and flee from the cops. Now there's so many different questions you can ask. Where are the parents? You know, can, you know, you you don't know your 12 year old daughter is out, you know, driving on the streets in a stolen car and fleeing from cops at two in the morning. Well, if that's the case, I'm sorry, you are a lousy parent. But the idea of just taking these kids and turning them back loose into their to their parents who don't care about them to begin with or at least have no control over them that's not an answer you do this stuff You either get waived into adult court if you're the 15-year-old and you're driving, or at the very least, you go to juvenile detention and you stay there for a long period of time. Putting these punks back out on the street, okay, doesn't make things better. All right, story number one. Story number two. If you can hear, again, my, my producer is cringing because he knows the head's about to explode. Milwaukee police chase crash. Two arrested. Two people were arrested after a Milwaukee police chase and crash that happened Wednesday night, September 7th. According to police, officers saw two people firing shots near 46th and Fairmont before getting into a car and driving off. The officers tried to stop the car. The drivers did not stop, and a pursuit ended around 10.20 p.m. The chase came to an end near Fond du Lac and Capitol, more than a mile from where it started, when the fleeing car ran a red light, hit another vehicle, police say. All occupants of both vehicles, including the two, were arrested, taken to the hospital. The driver and the passenger of the fleeing car. Now, this is, again, they're, they're involved in a shoot up on the streets. Cops come. They take off and then run through a red light, slam into a car. 17-year-old Milwaukee boy and 27-year-old Milwaukee man, two guns, suspected narcotics were arrested. Were found. 17-year-old with a 27-year-old, they're shooting up the streets of Milwaukee. They've got a bunch of dope in the car. They've got guns, and they're out on the street. Both of them should be in jail, and they should be in jail for a long period of time. It gets even better. Third story, third story. Driver crashes into apartment building while fleeing from police. A driver fleeing from police crashed into an apartment building near Miller Parkway and Burnham Street in West Milwaukee. Uh, according to police, the pursuit began as officers attempted to conduct a traffic stop for reckless driving. The pursuit was canceled after the... Um, Driver gained distance. So in other words, the driver is driving so fast that he's pulling away from the cops and they decide, okay, we we can't continue this. A short time later, officers were flagged down by a citizen who let them know that the fleeing driver had crashed into a building. And he is at large. I'm looking at the picture on the Fox 6 website. They drove the car into a building and ended up running. No one in custody. Police say there is no danger to the public. Of course there's a danger to the public. Of course there is a danger to the public because the guy who led police on a high-speed chase drove the car into a building is still on the street. Of course he is a danger to the public. Every one of these people is a danger to the public, and this happens. These are just the three stories that I I pulled out in the last 36 hours or so. You know that there's a ton more of these that are out there. Every one of these people is a danger to the public. Every one of these people, whether they're 12 years old or 15 years old or 17 years old or 27 year old or however old, needs to be off the street because until we start arresting people and putting them in behind bars – for at least a period of time they're never going to get the message that this is unacceptable and their low-life buddies and all the other people that are out there stealing the cars and driving away from the cops and things like this until the word gets out that we're not going to fool around with this stuff anymore we are all at danger so sorry that the public is at risk it's as risk as long as these people continue to be on the streets. When how many more people have to die? How much property has to get destroyed before people realize this and we start getting serious on this foolishness? Here's a text, Jeff. Can I just say thank you for continuing to talk about the terrible driving in Milwaukee County until something is actually done about it, and we start seeing a trend in the right direction. The story needs to be continuously talked about, as you do. Thanks for all your reporting on the subject. Absolutely, this is this is a major. You want to talk about a public health crisis? This is is it, and this happens multiple times a day. Doesn't matter whether it's two in the morning or two in the afternoon. You've got punk kids driving stolen a twelve and a fifteen year old at two o'clock in. In the morning, for God's sake, leading the cops on a high-speed chase, but that's just the tip of the iceberg, and the problem is nothing happens. They're back out on the streets three days later to steal more cars or do the same things until we wake up and realize that what we're doing now doesn't work until judges recognize that they've got to start putting people behind bars, until district attorneys recognize they've got to start prosecuting people and or waving them into adult court, until we have public officials that start to say, okay, we're going to hold other officials accountable This is going to continue to happen, and you could be a victim. I could be a victim. The people close to us could be victims. You know, we shouldn't have to wait until one of these 15-year-olds blows through a red light and hits and kills a family heading for a fish fry. Is that too much to ask? Okay, there we go. Green Bay opens their season Sunday at Minnesota, and we've got you covered. Greg Matzik gets you ready for kickoff with Green Bay game day at noon on ninety four point five ESPN Milwaukee. Then after the game, G- Gabe Nitsel, Homer, and Mark Tauscher have three hours of reaction on Pack Attack post game right here on News Radio six twenty WTMJ. Get the best game day coverage this Sunday and all season long on ninety four point five ESPN and News Radio six twenty WTMJ. Okay. We have been talking about this off and on for a couple weeks, but the more details that come out, the more aggravating it gets, including this what-me-worry attitude by some members of the city of Milwaukee. Everybody probably remembers the story. Now, in Milwaukee, let's back up for a second, there are 20 different what they call lift bridges, Bridges that go over the Milwaukee River that have to be raised from time to time as boats are passing you know, down the river, okay? So that's, that's the deal. We all know this story. Early August, what ended up happening is there were, there was a, a couple, um, Richard and Rosemarie Dujardin, who were visiting from Rhode Island, okay? So they're in Milwaukee. It's around the, the noon hour or so, And they are walking to church, okay, before they go back to Rhode Island, they're they're going to go to church. So they are walking across the Kilbourne Avenue Bridge. Now, again, kind of picture this, you know, Kilbourne Avenue is one of the major east-west streets in Milwaukee. It's sort of by the... Oh, what I would call the performing arts center. And, you know, you go down and you hit the Milwaukee Panther Arena, things like that. So they're walking along the bridge. Now, I'll get to this in a minute. The details are still a little bit cloudy. But what it appears happens is that they're on the bridge. They're both on the bridge. The wife, she's walking a little bit ahead of of the husband. But it appears that they are both on the bridge. When all of a sudden the the lights start to to uh, you know, go on, indicating that the bridge is about to be raised, the a uh, barricade to block cars from going on there appears to go down now there, there's i 'll get to this in a minute I guess there 's still some question. The witnesses appear to suggest that they were both on the bridge. So, in any event, the way these bridges operate is they're they're divided in the middle and they raise. Okay, so they they go up on either side. So you, you get an incline. The wife, she's more than halfway past when the bridge starts to go up. She's able to run off off the bridge on the it would be the west side of Kilbourne. The 77 year old man who is lagging behind his wife, who is admittedly hard of hearing and might have been like looking at his phone or something because he's looking for directions as to how to get to church, he's, I think, still on the going upside as the bridge is raising. So there, there's witnesses that are trying to like get to him, but because of the incline, they can't get to him. The guy ends up kind of sliding to the side of the bridge where he grabs hold as the bridge is being raised and he is ho- climbing, holding on for dear life, literally for dear life. He holds on for a little while. Ultimately, he loses his grip. He falls. He dies. It's just, and people are watching, his wife is watching, it is just awful. There, there's just no way to a- explain this. All right, so we're looking at how this can happen. Well, as it turns out, this is, like I said, there's 20 bridges. Um, this is one of 10, 10 of the bridges are not manned. By that, I mean, in the bridge tower, there's not an actual person that raises and lowers the bridge. What these are is there are cameras that watch the bridge, and then there's one bridge operator that sits in a remote location and is responsible for looking at cameras to determine if there's anybody on the bridge. And obviously, if there's somebody on the bridge, you're, you're, you don't you don't raise it. Well, we we don't know. <laughs> okay, so yesterday in front of the common council, they're, they're talking to the the supervisor. Of, of all of of this the head of the department uh, the interim head of the department of public works who apparently says that that he hasn't he hasn't even talked to the the guy that was supposedly responsible for controlling the cameras he ha- hasn't even talked to him yet you know to to ask you know what happened but there's somebody who's supposed to be watching the cameras and obviously the person that was watching the cameras I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or if he was distracted, he or she was distracted or whatever, but they, they missed it. And so the bridge ended up going up and this guy ended up dying. So they haven't talked to him. One of the reasons we don't know even more what happened is because while they have cameras that, that are out there, the cameras, the, the, f- whatever the cameras see, the video they shoot is not recorded it's it's not recorded so you know like a security camera for example Typically, there is a period of time, maybe it's 12 hours, maybe it's 24 hours or whatever, but you can go back in and you can say, hey, uh, you know, we're, we want to, your, your your convenience store was just robbed. So what we want to do is we want to go in, the police can say, let's let's look at the security footage. And you can go back and you can say, okay, this is three hours ago, we, we've got the security footage, this is the person wearing the black ski mask that went in, this is what they did, right? You, you can go and you can recreate it. The... In the city of Milwaukee, these cameras do not record footage. <laughs> they don't record the footage, so we, there, there's no way of going back and recreating what what happened. There, there's no video that's out there that we can go look at. We can't go and see, gee, you know, what exactly happened? Where exactly was the man on the bridge when this all went up? Because the cameras have quote unquote never recorded footage. Because of storage concerns. Storage concerns. (laughs) Nobody is saying that you'd have to keep the footage forever. Nobody is saying you'd have to keep the footage for a year. But wouldn't it be helpful that, for example, if there is an accident, a collision that's on the bridge, or... You have an incident where somebody raises the bridge when there's a person on it. You would at least be able to go back within 12 or 24 hours before this whole thing recycles. And you'd be able to figure out, gee, what, what it was that, what it was that exactly happened if you have a video. But in Milwaukee, they don't even record it. And what's amazing to me is that the, even after this happened, which is what, over, over a month ago, they, they, they haven't made arrangements to start recording these things. And and interestingly enough, there was one of (laughs) – Bob Bauman, who's one of these aldermen that's wrong on just about everything, but he's actually right on this thing. He's saying to the Interim Department of the Interim Public Works Commission, he said, I would have started this the next day. Why didn't you? It's a problem for the guilty and for the innocent. Video would prove you didn't make a mistake versus proving you did. Now it's all speculation and guesswork. He's exactly correct. The the idea that this would happen and – you, you you don't you haven't like immediately said, oh, gosh, we better change something around here. We ought to put in cameras that at least we got to keep the footage for at least 24 hours or something so we could go back and recreate this. But apparently that that's this isn't important enough to the city of Milwaukee or at least the people who, who are responsible for doing this at the Department of Public Works. So anyhow, you got a guy that's dead there was estimates that in order to, if you had to go back to putting actual people at all the bridges, they've got people at about 10 of them, they estimate it would cost like $6 million. I have no idea where that number would come from. I mean, how how much do you pay these people that are bridge tenders? I mean, seriously, I mean, $6 million? I mean, I think that sounds outrageous, but it doesn't matter because when the inevitable lawsuit comes... There's no question in my mind that the verdict against the city of Milwaukee is going to be a lot more than $6 million because somebody's dead. So this was one where maybe you're penny wise, but you are certainly pound foolish, plus somebody is dead. In any event, our number, 855-616-1620, which is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And as I've said before, our phone lines are still a little bit screwed up. We've only got two incoming phone lines, but our text line works. But... I'm I'm looking at this, and number one, I guess it is distressing to me that the sense of urgency that I think people should be feeling at the city of Milwaukee about this guy dying, I I don't necessarily get there is that sense of urgency. Number two, there, there needs to be, and it needed to be done like a day after this happened, there needs to be a complete reassessment of what's going on here. Now, I think the thing that makes most sense is to go back to... Stocking, you know, putting people at every one of these bridges that actually physically make sure that there's nobody on the on the bridge before you do it. If you are going to continue to try to do this remotely, though, you need a lot more safety measures. You you need a whether you need, you know, artificial intelligence sensors, whether you need, I don't know, double checks before you like raise these bridges. But this is going to happen again. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The fact that there's been no change in the month since this happened is really Again, it's appalling to me. And if you've got a situation where you can have, let's assume it's operator error, because that's probably what this has, is going to come down to. You've got to have fail safes in there. You've got to have sensors if you're going to not have people that are actually manning these various bridges. Because what they're doing now is a recipe for disaster and an invitation to have somebody else die on this bridge. 855-616-1620. We discuss. One of our texters says, well, Jeff, it, it would be astronomical to store all this video forever... You know uh, but I, I'm not suggesting that but I guess I find it amazing that that the video uh, from these bridges isn't available for 12 hours or 24 hours or 48 hours I'm not saying that you have to keep it forever but I guess I, I just if you if you had the video as soon as this guy dies what you would have been able to do is you would have been able to say okay we're not looking at something from weeks ago hey you'd be able to go right away and say all right we want the video to see what happened to me that would also make sense for again automobile accidents or anything else that might happen but on the bridge and i know it costs a lot to store stuff forever but they don't they don't store it at all it's it's not recorded at all which to me is absolutely completely and totally unacceptable aaron in milwaukee aaron you're on wtmj
1: hi uh, thanks for taking my call. yeah sure. i i've lived at the first bascule broad uh the broadway bascule bridge for the last 16 years and i've walked across it quite a few times that's i'm really surprised to hear that only 10 out of the 20 are manned uh you know with an actual real person you know i've been across that bridge and they're they're putting the gates down and i have to wave my hands at the at the windows where the operator is and before the gates go back up and let me off the bridge
3: yeah
1: uh, so even even when those bridges are are manned there's there's still there's still room for error but uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, I think I think having somebody there is just a, a necessary safety measure. And I'm shocked to hear that somebody somebody died yeah. it's just
0: because uh, yeah, I've been worried about this for years since I've been living down
3: there. Yeah, well, thank And, and again, it, and it's this, this is the problem that you end up having there. And I guess what what is stunning to me is that there's there's not backups that that. You know, if if you have look, I don't know what was going on with the operator, but obviously there's a degree of operator error here, and that that if somebody's looking at their phone and just hits the button or, or whatever this might be, that there's not some sensor, that there's not something that registers, hey, there, there's a car here, or that there's a that there's a person that is on on this bridge. Now, I would con- I will concede, I guess, that having uh, an actual in person operator there doesn't change the fact that the guy could still be looking at their phone. Are not paying attention, but at least under that situation, if you have somebody there on the scene and they realize that they have started to raise the bridge and there's still somebody on there, there's somebody right there on the spot because they can hit that button and can stop this as opposed to what, what just happened, which is the automatic thing. And again, for everybody who says, okay, well, we want to make this about cost, Tr- Trust me, when the inevitable lawsuit gets filed, if the city thinks it saved $6 million by, uh, again, not having people at these various bridges, and I, I still have no idea where that number would come from. That seems to me to be an extraordinarily high number. But by by having somebody die in this fashion, my guess is the, the verdict is going to be a, a lot longer. Jeff, uh, here's a text. I can't believe they can't store data for 24 hours. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, th- that's that's it. Nobody's saying that you have to store this stuff forever. But if you recycle it, you've got that point. Um, or it's just. Well, you know, people are saying, well, look, that, uh, you know, there, maybe that there, this is just a freak accident. Well, I hope it's a freak accident, but it's something that, that can certainly happen because you don't have the, the safeguards in, in place. And just this idea that, oh, well, you know, we're just going to wash our hands of this and we're not going to make changes is completely and totally unacceptable. There, there, if, if you're not going to do what I think is the best thing to do, which is actually put people on the bridges, Then what you have to do is you have to have better safeguards than they have. And I got to believe that there's electronic sensors or artificial intelligence or things like that, which would allow this to happen. At the very least, maybe you, you put Buttons, emergency stop buttons on these unmanned things as the bridge is going up. So if some other bystander, like for example, the guy's wife or like some of the people that watch this man die, so they can hit this emergency stop button to stop this process to at least alert the remote bridge handler that, Hey, there's some problem that is going on here. But this idea that, well, you know, it's just, we've done this for years and we haven't had a problem. Well, okay. Sounds to me like you haven't had a problem out of dumb luck more than anything else live from the annex wealth
2: management studios this is the jeff wagner show and now
3: wtmj's jeff wagner good afternoon wisconsin welcome back to the show mike spaulding can we agree sure that next monday we know what is going to be the at least for a while the absolute worst job that you can have in milwaukee the Milwaukee area
4: uh, next Monday, as in the 12th or the 19th?
3: As in the 12th. What's going to be the worst job? The receptionist at today's TMJ4.
4: It's not going to be a pleasant one. <laughs> for
3: Now, now we, we need to go just a little bit of background on, on this. Um, for 57 years, the soap opera Days of Our Lives has aired on Channel 4. At, at, um, 12 noon, right? 12, no, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock. One o'clock. We, we have it here. And you and I periodically, we've kitted around because it's on one of our monitors because of today's TMJ4. And uh, you, you look over and there, there's always, there's always people in bed. That, that's it. About half the show seems to be people people in bed. Right, right now, they're not in bed, but they're both wearing robes with no Right, they just underneath. got out so, of yeah. bed. <laughs> right, they just got out of bed. Right, exactly. That that's kind of thing. So you always kind of wonder what's going on. Or sometimes there's somebody that's like tied up. They're mm-hmm. like in prison somewhere. We always wonder, what's that going on? But anyways, it has been a mainstay for 57 years. And people, I always think back to my my grandmother and, and she just loved what she would refer to as her stories oh, that, yeah. that was it i i you watch the, the stories you know and you could relate to that and stuff and and i even admit i mean i remember when i was in law school a number of years ago they used to and this is before you know the we at marquette law school in the late 70s and early 80s there was like one break room and there was like one tv and and general hospital used to be on so that that's it you would kind of You you had no choice but to watch General Hospital if you wanted to. So I I understand how people can get wrapped Mm -hmm. up in this. But we know the love that people have for Days of Our Lives because, as you and I can attest, if Channel 4 ever preempts Days of Our Lives, people go absolutely bat, you know what, crazy. And they, they call September 11th, all right, the Twin Towers are attacked. There were people calling up to complain that Days of Our Lives have been preempted. A lot of people calling up. So I guess I hadn't realized this, but I was just looking at the the crawl that was going across. Mm -hmm. Starting Monday, Days of Our Lives will no longer air on Channel 4. and And it's not Channel 4's decision, but NBC is taking the soap opera... And they are moving it off free TV, and they're putting it on to their streaming service, Peacock, that you have to pay for. Um, and they're going to be replacing it by with something called NBC News Daily. But if you tune in Monday at 1 o'clock to see Days of Our Lives and whatever's happening with Ever,
4: it, it ain't going to be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm preparing some language for our people to use just in case on Monday when the phone calls inadvertently end up on the radio side, we can explain a little bit about what's going on.
3: Uh, yes, here, here's what they say. This is what the, the chairman of NBC Universal Television and Streaming says. The move is going to maximize the show's already massive reach while also freeing up space for NBC content. You're shaking your head here. The programming shift benefits both Peacock and NBC and is reflective of our broader strategy to unify you know utilize our portfolio to maximize reach and strengthen engagement with viewers
4: that is some word vomit right there I, well yeah. absolutely I, i'm just i'm trying to imagine
3: g- give that to our poor friend at the reception desk here here's what we want you to say when they're calling up and going where is days of our lives yes. well i'm sorry it doesn't air on here anymore you have to go to peacock why are you doing that well, the programming shift benefits both Peacock and NBC and is reflective of our broader strategy to utilize our portfolio to maximize reach and strengthen engagement with viewers. My guess is, my guess is if that was my grandmother on the phone, she would not be buying that.
4: No, not, and not one second. And not only that, are you telling them it's not on, That there's also going to be a lot of questions about, hey, what is Peacock? Right. How do I get it on my computer or my telephone or whatever it is? And then uh, the receptionist is going to have to walk people through how to do it, and that just and then, ooh. by the way, you pay for it, and then you have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, so they get it all signed it's, in, and then it dollars ninety nine a month. Then you have to,
3: then you have to, then you have to pay for it. Now, I, I actually have Peacock, and I um, I because I, 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 I like they they have soccer on there, so I, I mean, I have it for that, and they have like the, the old wrestling stuff and other. They got WWE that's on there, so I mean, I, I happen I have Peacock. But at the same time, I'm trying to imagine what I'm, I'm envisioning is the typical days of our lives viewer who's used to watching it on free TV for 57 years. I'm trying to imagine that response. And all I can say is don't take it out on the poor lady that answers the phones here. <laughs> you yeah. She
4: right? should have the email address or something. Mark Lazarus,
3: chairman of NBC yeah. Universal Television. With a large percentage of the days of our lives audience already watching digitally, this move enables us to build the show's loyal fan base on streaming while simultaneously bolstering the na- network's daytime offering with urgent live programming opportunities for partners and consumers. Do you believe that
4: a lot lar- a, 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 well, he did no. say a large portion. He did. Did he say majority? Large of, percentage okay. of
3: days of our life. No, uh-huh. I don't. I don't believe that a large percentage of no. the audience a watches it on. A large percentage
4: is sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office. That like right, that's what I think of when I think of like uh, yeah I, the stories is is sitting somewhere where I don't have access to change a channel. It's just going to be on.
3: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I just I find it difficult to believe that a large percentage watches it through that. But regardless, again, my only is it's 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 going to be a zoo on, on yeah. one, one o'clock when it rolls on and they, and they trot out just just what the world needs yet another news show
4: yeah look the news pays our bills right uh, do we need another network news show at noon is are people, One clam- yeah. are, are people clamoring for that right right on 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 a broadcast network like
3: nbc because you've already got all the the cable news yeah. things you've got the local thing on channel 4 that that they run the news i'm just i mean again this is not it is not a channel 4 decision so yeah. that that you know don't don't pick on them but um i'm just thinking I'm thinking it's going to be ugly. That's yeah. just my sense. Please be nice when you call in to yell. <laughs> right, right. Be nice. Right, and and then you know if they you know and if you want to vent, vent at the people that made the decision, not the people answering the phones here. <laughs> there, see that's an it. I'm just. I, I, far be it for me to suggest news stories for you, but I think it would be interesting to have somebody up at the front desk about one o'clock on Monday. Because I, I my guess is the my through? guess is the phone. Maybe that's why we're limited to two phone lines here. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just and in, 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 maybe just maybe that was the long range plan. That the reason we've lost all our phone lines and they don't seem to come back is maybe they we just they knew what was going to happen next yeah, your, Monday.
4: Your producer will be happy. There's only two phone lines available. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, because we'll we'll get the overflow radio calls. In any event,
3: that's the that's the big news. I, I saw that crawl, thinking, oh, that's not going to go over well. All right, when we come back, um, I do this every year. Matter of fact, I, I sort of alluded to it uh, a minute ago, but there's something very serious that I want to talk to you about. Stick around <laughs> uh, all week, as I've. Sit down and I prepare to to do the show i I, I look at all sorts of stories and I, by the way, I understand the big story today is the passing of, of Queen Elizabeth. We talked a little bit about that that yesterday and I understand there's all sorts of stuff that's going on with regard to the the elections and all the political stories that are out there and, and all the other news, the border, all that sort of stuff I, I understand there's a lot out there. It is interesting to me though that all week I have been looking for this and I have not seen. A single story yet, and I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But this Sunday, two days from today, yes, I, I understand it's the you know the the Green Bay opening football game and things like that. So I understand. I understand that's what's going on. But this Sunday is something else. Today is September 9th, which means Sunday is September 11th. Which means this will be the twenty-first anniversary, if you want to use that term, of the September eleventh terrorist attacks. And I think it's really interesting because, and maybe we're going to see something between now and then, but at least as of now, I, I haven't I haven't seen anything, not in the electronic media, not in the print media. It's just nothing for what I think was arguably. The seminal event of many of our lifetimes. You know, we've talked about this before. It, depending on how old you are, there are there are certain events that you always remember where you were, right? If you were – I wasn't around then, but my, my parents always talked about that. They remember where they were when Pearl Harbor was attacked, all right? I, I remember – I'm old enough to recall, you know, where I was. I was like in first grade when when President Kennedy was was assassinated. I remember, you know, where I was when Neil Armstrong first walked on the moon. There are there are a handful of events like that. Maybe there's a, a couple more, but I think for a, at least most of us you know, we we remember where we were on September eleventh, two thousand one, and we remember you know everything that that went along with it. And here we are, twenty one years later, and at least two days beforehand, I, I'm not seeing anything. And again, I I'm, maybe there's stuff that's out there somewhere, but it's certainly not getting any attention. One of the concerns that I've had is as we have moved further and further from actual, you know, September, you know, 11th, 2001, that the more, the further and further away we have gotten from those terrorist attacks, the more I think people have forgotten what happened. And I, I, I am concerned that for lots and lots of people, particularly people who weren't around then or were under the age of five or six, September 11th is becoming essentially just something that you hear about in the history books as opposed to recognizing and remembering where we were at the time. So one of the things I have, as long as I'm doing this program, I've always tried to devote a segment, two segments, whatever, to to remembering September 11th. And, again, it's going to be on Sunday, so I want to do that now. My, our phone number, and I'm going to share a lot of text because, again, we're, we're operating with a limited number of phone numbers, phone lines that are open. But our, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accutent Mortgage Talk and Text line. I don't want the memory of September 11th to, to die away. I, I want it, I want it to be refreshed in all our, our minds because I think there's so much we can learn from that and remember and the reactions and all that. So my question is, where were you on September 11th when the towers came down? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is our talk and text line. We'll take your texts and we'll take the calls as well. But it's coming up in two days. There, it's been. It will have been twenty one years, and I'm already kind of afraid that this is that event that was so. Dominant in so many of our lives, is already being pushed to the to back burner of history. And we can't let that happen. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment.
5: On that fiery dew, when the towers warm, New York road. New York Save someone inside When New York had her heart broke New York had her heart broke. And I was there that day And I don't know what to say Except New York had her heart
3: which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. You you wouldn't necessarily know it if you follow mainstream media, but this Sunday, two days from now, it's more than just football opening, the, the Packers opening day. It is the 21st anniversary of the terrorist attacks on... September 11th, the terrorist attacks on New York and the Pentagon, and and, and yet I, I get the sense that we're forgetting this, and we, we can't ever allow that to happen, and that's why we're devoting a couple segments of the program this afternoon, and we're going to carry this through the news, of course, as to you know where you were on September 11th, 2001. Let's start with Steve. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, thanks for bringing this up again. Uh, uh, the company I work for, we do a bunch of uh, various castings, and I was at uh, Rolls-Royce in Indianapolis uh, in the lobby that morning, and watching the TV in the lobby, all of a sudden we saw the uh, uh, planes uh, fly into the uh, Twin Towers. And yeah. first thing I did that, that day was I booked a rental car because I knew I wasn't going to fly home. and. Right and eventually eventually our ceo uh, all these planes got grounded he landed in Indianapolis and he and I drove home so it was yeah. a powerful powerful drive home that day
3: uh, i bet no thanks for calling you know, p- for people who forget what what happened is immediately we, nobody knew see that was the thing you you didn't know that the first the first plane that hit the Twin Tower, I think a lot of us thought maybe this is a commercial aviation, just a a mistake. And then when the second plane hit, I think you knew something was going on. And then, of course, you get the reports of the the, the attack at the the Pentagon, and then the other plane that ended up going down. Nobody knew the scope of the attack, and I think that was of uh, 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 one of the many, many scary things is that you didn't know how many other hijackers there were out there. How much worse could this possibly be? Steve in Sussex. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today?
3: I am well, thank you. Where were you on September 11th, 2021?
1: 20, well, actually, I was a member of the 128th Air Refueling Wing from Milwaukee here, and we were out in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and that evening we were supposed to be flying just a regular training mission, uh, refueling some heavy uh, transport aircraft. We were flying out of Pease Air Force Base there. We were staying at a Hampton Inn in Portsmouth, and as everything was happening, obviously we were watching it, my crew and I on TV, and uh, my aircraft commander got a call, Um asked us to come in right away, and because we were one of the only aircraft, uh, air refueling tankers that were full, ready for the evening's mission, they asked us if we could launch immediately, and we were the one of the first ones up over ground zero after it happened.
3: Wow. Wow. And, of course, no, nobody knew what exactly was going on then, Steve, right? I mean, it was we we did not know the extent of this. We just knew that this country was under a terrorist attack.
1: No, they didn't know, but I think I think at higher levels, you know, there was obviously an inkling, and uh, the fighter aircraft needed to be supported that were going to fly the cap, the combat air patrols right over there. And as soon as they could, they launched the fighters. We got up there. We stayed over there for a considerable amount of time, both uh, New York City and the uh, washington d c, the Pentagon area. And then we actually ended up getting tasked out for the remainder of that week i think the most eerie thing that i will remember to this day is as that previous caller said they grounded everything and after a while it was so quiet at, when you're listening to air traffic control yeah. and when we would ask to go somewhere they would just say you can go wherever you need to go because there's nobody else to deconflict against
3: well wow. see thanks for the call i appreciate it i i had i had a to... Uh, friends who were coming back from Europe who were you know, in midair, they're over the Atlantic, and they ended up getting diverted to Nova Scotia, I believe, and they ended up spending a week in Nova Scotia. It was just they were like in a high school gym that they opened up because the air traffic was shut down. We're going to continue this um, for for a while, before, uh, in the next segment or two, because I, I think it's just important that we not forget eight five five six one six one six twenty, and we're going to share. I'm obviously being swamped with uh, texts as well. I'll share a bunch of those in just a minute as well. Right now, WTMJ News Time is. 132 from the WTMJ Breaking News Center here's Mike Spalding.
4: Thank you Jeff King Charles paying homage to his late mother Queen Elizabeth during his first public comments since her death on Thursday the king beginning his roughly 15-minute speech by thanking his mother this morning and her influence that he had or she had on him. Elizabeth had served as queen for the last 70 years. Charles assumed the throne immediately upon her death. New signage and more operators could be coming to Milwaukee's lift bridge system after a man was killed in August when the Kilbourne Avenue bridge began to lift up while he was walking across. The city's public works commissioner, Gerald Krushke, tells WTMJ they're also considering adding more cameras. And jurors serving as part of the homicide trial for Daryl Brooks will be allowed to drive the parade route. A judge in Waukesha County ruling Thursday the jurors will be able to see the half-mile-long route in which Daryl Brooks took when he drove his SUV through the parade last November. Six people were killed, dozens of others injured. That trial is expected to begin next month. Time now for some news about your money and the WTMJ Drake & Associates market update. The Dow up right now 400 points at 32,174. The Nasdaq's up 240 at 12,102. The S&P 5 that is up 61 points at 4067 WTMJPellaWY.com, time saver traffic. Things looking pretty good on the roads this afternoon. 94 outbound downtown to Highway 16 will take you 17 minutes. 4145 southbound Highway Q into the Zoo Interchange is a 14 minute commute. 43 inbound Brown Deer Road to downtown, that'll take you 12 minutes. While 94 inbound Layton Avenue into downtown, that is a 7 minute ride.
1: Traffic is sponsored by Hall Mazda Milwaukee. Visit HallMazdaMilwaukee.com.
2: If you see something we should know about, call the WTMJ Hall Mazda traffic tip line at 414-203-8100. We discover the road at Hall Mazda during
4: Mazda's season of discovery. Your WTMJ five-day forecast, mostly sunny today, high of 84 degrees. Overnight tonight, mostly cloudy, low 65. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, isolated showers are possible, a high about 81. Sunday, mostly cloudy skies and rainy, a high 70. Monday, scattered showers and breezy, a high 68. And on Tuesday, mostly cloudy skies, a high of 72 degrees. In Whitefish Bay, it is 80. In Mequon, it's 79. In Milwaukee, it's 80 degrees. I'm Mike Spaulding, Siding Unlimited, WTMJ Newstime, 135.
3: Where Were You 21 Years Ago Sunday? We continue the conversation.
4: On
5: that fiery day, when the towers gave way, New York had her heart broke. New York had her
3: heart broke. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. People are asking, that's um, John Hyatt, who's actually going to be performing in Milwaukee in a couple weeks, one of my favorite artists. Um, The song is called, When New York Had Her Heart Broke. And it's his tribute to to nine eleven. Um, and again, I think it, it is one of these indications as to how we forget when we, when we think about September eleventh, twenty two 2001, 21 years ago Sunday. Man, um, we, we think, of course, about the terrorist attacks in in New York City at the at the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center. But but there's more to that. For people who will remember, um, the the first. The, the first plane, which was American Airlines Flight 11, that was from Boston heading to Los Angeles. It was hijacked and it hit the first building, um, about 745 hour time, 845 Eastern time. That was followed. And I think there was a period of time, like I say, for about 15 minutes or so where, you know, they were reporting this and a lot of us, the initial thought was that this this is an aviation mistake. It's, you know, it's just some, how how could a pilot do this and things? And then it was apparent, um nine eight o three a.m. our time, 9.03 Eastern time, so that's about like 15 minutes later, United Airlines Flight 175, which was from Boston heading to L.A., that had been hijacked. That was the second plane that flew into the towers. Then... About a half hour later, you had American Airlines Flight 77, which was out of Washington, that had been hijacked. And that flew into the west wall of the Pentagon. So you had those three attacks within about 45 minutes. And then a half hour later, and this is, this is one of the stories, and a number of people are texting and reminding me of it. This is one of the stories that gets, gets forgotten sometimes. It's the story of United Airlines Flight 93, which was out of Newark, was heading for San Francisco. It had been hijacked. And I think the wiz- conventional wisdom was the hijackers were going to head to Washington to try to ram it into the Capitol. And this is the one where the the passengers rose up and there was the struggle that ensued and the plane, you know, instead of being able to to kill hundreds of thousands of people, the the plane ended up going down um, in in Pennsylvania. um, And that's at the loss of there were about 44 people, 33 passengers, seven crew members, um, four hijackers and nine people on the ground. But but those. Those were the four instances, and it all happened within a period of, of about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And it's just, if you, if you, Think back as to how we all felt. In, in some respects, it seems like it was forever, but in other respects, it seems like it was yesterday. Okay, let me, let me go through, we're just being swamped with text. Let me go through a few of those because I know people are, feel very strongly about this. Jeff, I was in college. I was up early that day because I was doing laundry. I was calling home asking my mom where my dad was since he was in Pennsylvania and he was flying to New York City. Um, yeah, um, let's see. The one thing I remember about September 11th is the aftermath, how every American was together as one. There was no division, not like today. Jeff, I was in the lobby of today's TMJ4. Jeff, um, this is from Matt. I was in my second grade class in Antioch, Illinois. So you were about the same age that I was when, when, when President Kennedy died, you remember that forever. Jeff, I was a few months retired. I was watching the Today Show when it was interrupted by the announcement that a small plane had hit the tower. Um, yeah, that's just uh, how how things have changed. Jeff, I was at home watching my newborn grandson, holding him close, wondering what kind of world he was going to live in. It is a feeling I will never forget. Jeff, I was at work in a call center for a cell phone company. I heard what happened on the radio, and I thought this meant some small plane. As the morning progressed, many were glued to my radio, and this eerie silence took over at the office that no one was calling in. That place was never silent. Life as I know it changed that day. We cannot forget this is a huge part of our history and something we need to learn from. See, I I think part of it, too, was we always felt in the United States that We were immune from terrorist attacks. I know that there had been lone wolf bombings and things like that, but but we, I think, had that that arrogance to believe that, Oh, you know, uh, you know, terrorist bombings are, are things that that happen in other parts of the world. That go, That's what goes on in the Middle East, or that's the IRA in Great Britain. And I, I don't think we ever thought that we were susceptible to, again, not the lone wolf type of thing, but the, the, this organized effort to try to take out our, our institutions. Jeff, I was in Mr. Nearing's eighth grade math class. Um yeah. Um eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, not only are we remembering nine eleven, my son who did four terms tours in Iraq as a Marine is throwing out the first pitch at the Brewers game on Sunday. Outstanding. Let's talk to John. John, good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon, Jeff. Oh uh, yeah. I'll try to get through this. Uh I'm a retired firefighter. I was on a motorcycle ride with my brother. <clears throat> we were on the Blue Ridge Parkway having breakfast at a restaurant on Mount Pisgah. Waiter comes over, says, plane hit the towers. You know, we've all seen images of a right. little Cessna sticking out of the side of a high-rise. You know, it's right. no big deal. Comes back a little while later, says, another plane hit. Okay. Well, that ended the motorcycle ride. Um, I mentioned that I'm a retired firefighter. My brother in law is. Today is my mother's birthday. We ended the ride, ended up watching the news in the Biltmore Manage. We came off the parkway, ended the ride, we we're heading home. And watched it in the Biltmore Manage. Mm hmm stopped at in a little town in Appalachia get gas at a little you know one pump gas station with a a teenage girl back there I told her you always remember today Mm -hmm. the world will never be the same and how prophetic that was yeah
3: yeah absolutely
6: may we never forget those people I was, when I was watching the news, they showed firefighters walking, walking towards the burning high rise, looking up. You have to realize what they're thinking. A lot of them knew they weren't going to come back. Yeah. After the towers came down, some of my brothers and sister firefighters from Milwaukee went out there. God bless them.
3: Absolutely. God
6: bless you for bringing this up. Like it says. may we never ever forget, and those people that fought on that uh, plane that went down. Right. Oh my God.
3: Because, how, John, thanks for calling. How many? How many lives did they save? Because again, the, the that was a plane that was high, and the people on there they they knew what was going to happen. They 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 knew. I mean, they didn't necessarily know that the plan was to fly it into the Capitol, but but they knew that these hijackers intended to kill a whole bunch of people and they sacrificed their lives. Um, that's the passengers on United Airlines 93. John, thank you for all you did. And, and that's that's the feeling. I think that's out there, and again, it was a little bit of, I, I understand I'm two days early, and, and maybe we're going to have all sorts of nine eleven tributes in the media over the course of the next two days. I'm just saying we haven't seen any as of yet, and I wanted to want to take a section or two of this program and just remember that because it, it was just a life-changing thing. Mark, Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, Jeff, and thank you for helping keep this memory alive. Sure. I was on duty just starting my shift at a Milwaukee firehouse on 9-11, I just walked into the kitchen at around quarter to eight in the morning, and we had a little TV set going on in the kitchen, and there was a lot of ongoing, off-going shift people around. So there was a lot of us there. When suddenly on the little TV set, they went into a news break. Well, obviously when that happens, everybody sits up and starts watching. The first pictures we saw, and I think those are ones that everybody will remember, was a distant shot taken from the north looking south at the World Trade Center with the tower and all the black smoke coming from Tower 1, the all North right. Tower. And we all watched that, and they were saying that a small plane had hit the tower. It looked like a small plane had hit. Well, we watched it for a little while, and then we started getting some close-up shots. And almost to a man, we all agreed this was no small plane. This was something big. This is some terrible air disaster that just occurred. And all of us then started thinking firefighting. We all knew that New York firefighters were probably, in the world, the best at high-rise firefighting. And they are. These guys are awesome. We also knew that this was going to be a really tough, hard fire fight for them. We knew that there was going to be a lot of loss of life and people in the building, possibly even injury and death of firefighters who were going to fight it. But New York was going to take care of it. They would not get down. They would get control of it and it would be over. And then 17 minutes later, 9.03 in the morning, the second plane hit as we watched. Right. And I think then all of a sudden it was like, I mean, the language in the kitchen just changed. The atmosphere and the mood changed. As I made my rounds that morning in my battalion, all I could say is that every man and woman in the firehouse were glued to their TV sets. It was a very somber morning. But I remember one moment of thankfulness that occurred later that evening around 8 o'clock When AC2C came out, it's a computer-aided message system that goes out to the entire department, letting us know that a firefighter who many of us had known during his seven years with Milwaukee, who was now a reasonably new firefighter in New York, was okay. He had been off duty at the time at home, and he was not there, but then he was on his way down, but he was okay. And then I I just have to say then... A couple months later I did have a chance to go to New York, attended some memorial services and services. The firefighter we knew we spent an entire day with him and his family, a very emotional time. But I can just remember that this is something we can't forget. And I like to remind people that at the war memorial is a nine eleven steel, a one thousand six five hundred and sixty six pound piece of metal steel from the World Trade Center we don't know which tower it came from but it's on display down there with the story about 911 so people can go down there and see that if they want to i know there's one in kiwaskam also right but thank you for keeping this alive jeff mm-hmm. thank you so much
3: well, mark thanks thank you for the call and thank you for the remembrance and thank you for everything that you do it's it's i i i, I could spend the next 2 hours literally like reading all the text in there, and they're in so incredibly moving and just we all remember where we were then and I, I wish we could remember that collective feeling that, that we had, that we weren't Republicans, we weren't Democrats, we weren't liberals, we weren't conservatives, we weren't this or that or the other. We were all Americans, and for whatever reason, we've lost a lot of that. And and it, it shouldn't take national tragedies like this to for us to, to get that back. But um, in any event, take a couple moments. I understand a lot of stuff going on this weekend. I know it's, you know, the first Green Bay football game and all that sort of stuff, but but it's also the 21st anniversary of September 11th, 2001. Remember where we were, and also r- remember that there were um, over almost 3,000 people who, who lost their lives that day because of the terrorist attacks. And if we think it couldn't happen again, we're kidding ourselves. A very special thank you to everybody. I've just literally been swamped on, on our text line with people reacting and remembering to you know where they were on september 11th and i appreciate it it's just again i think it's it's just important for us to always remember all the lessons from that because as time goes on I, I understand it, it becomes it recedes in people's minds and you forget you know the, the experiences of of that time not just that day September 11th but also the aftermath of that and and I, I really I do strongly feel that we, we can't forget. Alright I mentioned this earlier. Football fans, Cover 5 is back for the kickoff of football season. Sign up for Cover 5 I'll explain more in just a minute. It's a free to play sports game for Season long fun. Join Cover 5 for free at cover5.com or on the Cover 5 app for your chance to win $100 per week. I I, I play this every year. Here's what you do you pick five games each week and you pick them against the spread. The best score against the spread throughout the regular season wins a $400 Ticket King gift card. Um, Join the WTMJ contest on the Cover 5 app or at Cover5.com for free. So no cost. You pick five football games against the spread each week all season long. Cover 5, beat the spread, and score more points. Now, here's how you sign up, and we've got a little kind of internal contest going on between those of us at WTMJ and our sports guys at at ESPN 94.5. And so we're trying to see who signs up the most. They had a pretty good head start on us, but maybe we'll catch up. You go to our website, WTMJ.com. You click on the contest page. That's the easiest way to do it. You'll see cover five. You just click on that and then the code is WTMJ twenty two. That's twenty twenty two. So WTMJ twenty twenty two and and then you're registered, you pick games against the spread. Um if you win on a week, a weekly basis, you get a hundred dollars. Winner gets a hundred bucks. It's just a fun thing to do. There's there's no cost. Like I say, I've been doing it for a number of years, and this year I I I'm I'm on the public game and I'm there under my own name. So if you want to See if you can beat my picks, and if you were playing against me last year, you'd be able to beat my picks pretty much every week, um, I, but I'm going to be out there, so you can beat me every week, and you can have that that satisfaction, but um, again, you can register at Cover5.com, or just go to WTMJ.com, contest page, click on Cover5, the code you need is WTMJ22, and you have... Um well, I guess te- technically you can join at any time, but you want to be there for the first week of the season. So do it now while you're thinking about it and have a little bit of fun with it. All right, speaking of having a little bit of fun, I know that this was kind of a serious conversation for the first, actually, couple hours of the program. We've got some later stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. And, of course, as always, Pop Culture Corner brought to you by Palermo's Pizza starting around 2.30. But interesting stuff between now and then. I guarantee it.
2: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
3: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. So glad to have you with us. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, a couple, I, I got some tweets up, a couple of things we talked about in the first two hours of the program, including the, uh, the the latest report from Wisconsin right now about the type of people who are being paroled by Tony Evers' administration in the effort to try to empty the prisons. Uh, one of the just dazzling stories, and again, we mentioned it before, you, you can you could spend, if you're a radio talk show host in this area, you could spend three hours a day talking about, you know, all the different car thefts and the police chases and all. One of the staggering ones is one from the other night where two o'clock in the morning, two girls ages 12 and 15 driving a stolen car involved in a crash following a high speed chase. Um, you know, and of course, I've got a link to the story. And of course, my point is that these kids are probably back out on the streets. If not now, they'll be back on the streets tomorrow, continuing to steal cars. And then, just to follow up on something we talked about in the one o'clock hour, it, it is. And, and Mike was making reference to it: the the, the bridge tragedy, um, it, the lift bridge. It, it is unbelievable to me that the city of Milwaukee does not record and store video from the bridge cameras a- at all. Uh, a convenience store. If a convenience store can store video for at least a day or two, why can't the city of Milwaukee? And if we, if we had had at least the, the, the video footage from the, this fatality that occurred, we could get a better idea of precisely what it was that it was occurring. And I, I understand it costs a fortune to keep video footage forever and ever. I'm not saying do that. But if you, if you kept it for 24 hours or 48 hours before you recycled it, we would at least be able to go back and see, hey, what, what what exactly happened here? How, how was it that this guy could have been allowed to die in this fashion? And it seems to me there would be a valid, a valid, valid purpose to do that just for anything. You know, have, have the bridge footage that's out there, have the cameras so you can go back and see if there's an automobile accident or something. But that would make too much sense. So you can, anyways, check all that out. And there'll be new postings over the course of the weekend as I see stuff that I find interesting. Um, it's at Jeff Wagner 620, which is where I am on Twitter. All right. In the two o'clock hour of the program, we, we I try to lighten it up a little bit because we spend a lot of time talking about really serious stuff most of the week. This story I want to discuss with you comes from the world of sports. If you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I, it's no secret. I, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan in general, and I love baseball. I mean, I grew up playing baseball. wasn't that good at it, but I grew up playing baseball i um i'm a partial season ticket holder to the brewers go to we've got uh go to 20 games a year i think i got three or four more left diehard brewers fan and all that and i I also i mean i enjoy baseball but there are things about baseball and i'm not talking about the brewers i'm talking about baseball the game that I, i think need to Changed. Um, one of those is the time it takes to, to play the game, uh, and I say this often. I, even as a baseball purist, I, I go to games. I go to a lot of weeknight games, and you see people. The, the game starts at seven o'clock, and. Because the game drags, it's 9.30, you're in the fourth inning, and you see families that have come there, and and they're leaving. Or you've got, you know, grown-ups that have to be at work the next day. So, you know, after after about two and a half hours, and you're only... Again, in the fifth inning or something, it's like, well, I, I got to get up. It's going to take me you know, a half hour to get home, and I got to go to bed, and I got to get ready to go to work. It, the, the pace of play is very, very frustrating. And, and one of the things I've noticed, and you see this if you go to these games, baseball players could, the game could move quickly if players wanted to. There are some players who are like human rain delays, and, and you see that with pitchers who just kind of, stand there, and they stand there, and they get the signal, and they shake it off, and then they stand there. And and it takes forever to just throw the ball. There are other players, for example, Milwaukee Brewer pitcher Brett Suter. He's a guy who gets the ball and and throws it. We were at a game last year, two years ago, forget, and the Brewer, they were playing San Francisco at the time, and and the two pitchers, they played the game in two hours and ten minutes. It was a well-played game. The pitchers got it. They threw the ball. They they moved on, and, and it just you know it you can do it if you want to but a lot of the players just don't want to do that and i i think it's it's hurting the fan base i've told this story before I was in Las Vegas a few years back, and I was watching a college football game. And these college football games last forever. Just honest to gosh, last forever. And it was like three and a half hours in, and it was still in the fourth quarter. And these two people from England, of all places, were they were saying, "Well, you know, you Yanks make fun of soccer and things like that, but at least with with soccer, the, the game it's two hours. You know, it's forty five minutes, a fifteen minute halftime, then another forty five minutes, a little bit of stoppage time. that two hours and fifteen minutes, and you're on with your life. How can you sit and watch the, these baseball games that go on three and four hours and how can you sit and watch these football games that go on for four plus hours and I didn't have a very good answer so today Major League Baseball has adopted a couple rule changes and if you haven't heard about them I want to share them with you and then I want to get your reaction as a sports fan here's what they have done first of all they have they have outlawed the shift for all intents and purposes. You know, the thing where, you know, you have, they'll, they'll move, they'll take, for example, the third baseman and they'll move him over and they'll put him in in right field um and play three people on one side of the infield. Major League Baseball, starting next year, it says that, first of all, all the infielders have to have both feet on the infield dirt. So you can't beat 15 feet into the outfield. Secondly, there's, imagine dividing a line and to the right and left of second base. And and what they say is, you have to have two people on one side of the infield and two people on the other side of the infield. So the idea is, I think they want to encourage single hitting and things like that by, again, doing that. That doesn't necessarily reflect on pace of play, but I think it I think they figure it's going to make the game more interesting because it might make it easier to get base hits and maybe reduce people just swinging for the fences and striking out, which is candidly boring. The other thing that they are going to do is they are going to put in a, a pitch clock. And what this is going to do is it's going to, you know, set a time limit that pitchers have to throw, throw the ball. And they're not going to be allowed to just like step off the, the mound and take forever. And there there's a timer um, in between batters, there's a thirty second clock, except for the final out of an inning. Um then there's all sorts of rules. Let's see. Under the pitch clock, pitchers would have twenty seconds to start their throwing motion with runners on base, fifteen seconds with bases open. So the the idea is you've got to get the ball and you've got to throw it. And if you don't do it in a timely fashion – what happens is you get charged a ball. It's called a ball. If you're a hitter and you're not ready within the time that you're allowed to be ready, it's an automatic strike. The idea is let's let play this. They've been doing this in double-A baseball, at least in some of the leagues, and the reaction is generally positive. But the idea is let's move this game along and let's try to encourage people to going back and like hitting singles and doubles instead of swinging for the fences and striking out all the time. And let's try to move the game along. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage talk and text line. My general reaction to this, and look, and I'm somewhat of a baseball traditionalist, but my reaction is hallelujah. If, if this, if baseball is going to stay viable for future generations, you've got to figure out ways to move it along. And it's, the problem is just Pitchers standing there and holding the ball and badgers stepping out of the box and scratching themselves or whatever. It it doesn't it's not interesting. It doesn't enhance anybody's attention, and it adds 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes to a game. 855-616-1620. From a fan perspective, I don't think this is going to affect the overall quality of the game, and I think it's going to make it a lot more fun to go to ball games, especially if you know, well, gee, I'm probably not going to be, have to sit here for four hours if I want to stay till the end of the game. 855-616-1620. No shifting and pitch clocks. I think they're good moves. Hey, and, and I understand that traditionalists... Are, you know, are upset at this. I, I mean, I, I didn't know how the, their extra inning rule was going to work where you start a guy at second base. I, I think that's great. It, it's added a lot of excitement to, to the game. And, and I think these rules, eliminating the shift and certainly putting in a pitch clock, they're eliminating a lot of the downtime. Now, some people are saying, well, there's nothing wrong with the game. Well, there is. I mean, I think you, you have to constantly recognize that there's new generations of fans that are coming up. And a lot of people just don't have they can't commit three and a half or four hours or what it's going to take. And and maybe it's our fault because we have limited attention spans. But that's just the reality. And and, and all sorts of games change. I mean, think about basketball all right back. There was a time when you you weren't allowed to dunk a basketball there, there there was that's when Kareem abdul started beginning of his career you couldn't dunk a basketball if you were in college you weren't allowed to do that um it it, what, it hasn't been that long that the NBA put in the three point shot they wanted to open up the game they wanted it to be a more exciting thing they put in the three point shot however many years ago they did it and I think it's worked to the benefit of the game and i I understand that people love baseball and the the pace of it and it's not necessarily timed that the game doesn't have a, a a defined time. But but at the same time, there's just so much standing around. And having seen the games where people stand around and having seen the games where they play quickly, I just think it's such a better product when they play quickly. Let's start with Patrick in West Bend. Patrick, you're on WTMJ.
0: Hey Jeff, long-time listener, first-time caller, and I'm 66 years old, and I'm bored by baseball. <laughs> okay. I've been watching baseball since the Braves were here. I'm bored. That Ryan Braun, one of the greatest hitters, gave us some of the best moments ever, but I slept through half of them because it took him 20 minutes to get in the box.
3: Yeah, and then he'd, he'd step ago. out. He'd step out between every most, pitch, and he'd, he'd he'd fiddle with his batting gloves pitch. and get back. John,
0: yeah. Exactly. But I think the biggest change is not going to be the pitch clock. I think it's going to be the uh, infielders' ruler because you're going to have a lot more base runners. Yeah. You could stand baseball if there was strategy in between pitches, right? Well, no base runners, there's no strategy. Now there will be again as we get more and more base runners, and the game becomes strategic again.
3: Yeah, I think. I mean, think. I think. I think so. I think that's going to. I think one of the things they're trying to do right now is that the current thing, and this is. One of the problems I think the Brewers have is that they everybody's trying to hit home runs. That that's it. And so there's a lot of strikeouts which are, you know, boring. Let let I mean let let's face it. I mean you and and I guess if your team is is the one, your pitcher is dominant, but everybody's trying to swing for the fences. I think their thinking is that this is going to um, it, it'll bring back different elements of the game, and people will be rewarded by hitting singles and doubles. The other thing that they're doing, and I don't know that this isn't speeding up the game, they're also increasing the size of the bases. They're going from fifteen inches to eighteen inches, which is partly it's a player safety issue, and partly it's to encourage people to go back and try to steal bases and stuff like that let's talk to mike mike you're on wtmj good afternoon
1: thanks for having me jeff hi mike um i love all these ideas from a fan's perspective i think they're great Uh, i wish i would see a double a game where they had it i haven't yet um but we got to think about it from a player's perspective are they going to buy in because i don't want to see a game where the players aren't getting 100% I mean, you say this like the dunk what, is it taking away? The home run is it taking away? Their dunk by any chance? I mean,
3: well, I, I guess I don't it'll know. It'll, it'll, it could be. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how the strategy adapts. Now, things are called, and, and, and teams are going to have to adapt to it. There, there's, there's no question about it. And, and I'm going to be curious to see, especially in the beginning, how this. know, gets enforced because, I mean, you've got, there's obviously going to be at least a bit, a little bit of a learning curve of, of this. One of the things, and I I don't want to go too far into the woods, but there's also a limit on the number of times in any given batter you can throw over to first base, which is one of the other things that, that, that delays the game. And I'm hearing texts and I, look, I appreciate I, there's some people say, oh, I don't have a problem staying for three or three and a half hours. And, And, and that's, that's great. But I'm telling you as somebody who goes to physically goes to a lot of games, especially like those weeknight games, I, I just see people pouring out because it's it gets the game starts at seven o'clock. It's now quarter to ten, so you're two hours, you know, two and a half hours into the game and, and they're still only in the fifth or the sixth inning and and you don't know and then you've got places to go and you've got to get home and you got to get up. I, I just, I see it and I see people walking out and their kids are asleep and it's things like that. I think you need to, you need to do stuff without changing the character of the game that ends up speeding it up to make it a little bit more fan friendly. And that, cause that's how you have to keep the next generation in. I mean, we live in the video game generate it. All right. I'll give you an example of that. You know, in what, in Wisconsin, back in the what the early 90s or whatever, we had all these dog tracks, and that was going to be like a license to print money. Okay, well, that lasted a couple years until Indian gaming came in and they started putting up casinos. Well, what, what was it that killed the dog tracks? Well, people, they wanted the action. You know, why, why do I want to go to a dog track and wait 15 minutes between races or whatever that's going to be when I can go to a casino? I can pull the slot machines or I can play a hand of blackjack in two minutes. They, they wanted the action, so they stopped going there. I think that's, you know, and, and maybe it's our fault that our attention spans are, are so low, but. These games that are three hours or three hours and 15 minutes or three and a half hours, they are a turnoff to lots of fans and they're a turnoff to new generations of fans. Again, th- those not only older people, but also I think the younger people come up who just don't have that kind of attention span. And if you're going to stay viable, you have to be willing to uh, adapt. And And look, if it turns out it doesn't work. Well, you, you can always you can always go back, but they've tried this in the minors for the last couple of years, and I think the the results are, are pretty positive. I think it's going to be an interesting game. To me, it's not just the pitch clock, but I think that this limits on the shift and stuff. Which, you know, first of all, it takes time when you have the third baseman that trots over and positions himself in, you know, right center field and stuff like that. But I think it's also going to open up the game a little bit and it's going to change the strategy a little bit. And I I think, I think that that's, I think that that's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a positive thing. Could be wrong, but I'm glad they're doing this because as somebody who is a diehard baseball fan, I, I, I want to see baseball remain viable. Okay, I, I want to see that. I want to see new generations get attracted. I, I I love to go to these games and you see the the three generations of families, you see the grandparents and you see the parents and you see the kids. I, I want to see that continue to happen. And I think you have to kind of change with the times. And one of the realities is, is for a lot of people, our, our attention spans just aren't what they were. Here's a text. Jeff, I like all the changes that baseball is proposing. I'm going to the game tonight, and I already don't plan on staying until the end because I know it's going to be a late night. Um Jeff, leave the game alone. I'm a traditionalist. Some of these changes will ruin the game. Well, you know, I, I've heard that, but again, I, I remember a couple years ago when they put in that extra inning rule because these games got interminably long, so now extra innings. You start off with a runner on second base. I actually think that makes it a much more exciting game. You don't – I know there are exceptions, but in general, you don't have these games that are going 13, 14, 15 innings, and it's just – it, it heightens the drama. I think it's been a great rule. And, and one of my very, very closest friends, who's the ultimate baseball traditionalist, who I'm not sure how he felt about this when they started, he's even acknowledging to me, you know, I think this is actually a pretty good change. It excite, it, it adds excitement. I think these rules are going to do that as well. So. That's where I stand. We'll see how it all works out. It's time now for Jeff
2: Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now,
3: here is Jeff Wagner. It's Pop Culture Corner time, brought to you by Palermo's Pizza. Delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. I love them. And what we do is we will have one winner of our Palermo's prize package. It's a certificate for two Palermo's pizzas and all sorts of other stuff, like a, Palermo, a a pizza cutter, which I am told is very cool. I haven't been able to score one myself and some other things as well. The winner is exclusively in the discretion of my producer, Charlie. It will be one of our callers. And by the way, because we, we're, as I've been kind of explaining, we're we're moving out of here, and there's something going on with the phone lines, and we've been limited to two phone lines for the better part of the last week, um, when we normally have a lot more. So I know it's been frustrating for some of you call in and you hear this metallic voice saying, "All phone lines are busy. Please try again." We're we're, we're working on it. We're we're working on it in our last days here at, at Radio uh, City. So. Th- Somebody that sticks it out gets through. You have a better chance than you would normally have because it's just tough for you to get through right now. Um, if you do get through of winning the prize package exclusively in the discretion of my producer, Charlie. All right. Let's keep the sports theme going on because I mean, the Brewers won a, won a doubleheader yesterday. They're still. Out of the wild card spot, but they're in better position than they were like two days ago. And maybe if they can win three games in a row against Cincinnati, that'll be a good thing. Well, you know, we'll see. Uh, Green Bay Packers, the season opener is Sunday afternoon against Minnesota, what around three o'clock or so. So we've got this sports theme that's going on and keeping that, keeping with that trend. I, I thought we would revisit something we talk about from time to time. It's always great. To to watch sports on TV, I understand that that's that that's the the go to position for for many of us because the truth is you, you can't travel to San Francisco or you can't travel to Minneapolis and stuff but there's still in my opinion nothing like going to a live sporting event cuz you never know what what you're going to see i've been going i've been going to baseball games since i was 5 years old i've never been present in person for a no hitter but every time i walk through the gates i'm thinking okay maybe today is the day that this is Maybe today is the day this is going to happen. A couple weeks ago, I was at the Brewers game when uh, Peralta went six innings of no-hit baseball. I'm thinking, maybe this is the day. And then Craig Council pulls him, and then the Brewers go on to lose the game. But that's a whole other story. For Pop Culture Corner this week, this is my question. What is the best sporting event that you ever had an opportunity to attend? The deal is... You have to have attended it in person, and I'm not saying the best football game, the best basketball game, the best hockey game, whatever, but your most memorable, and I guess you can define best however you want it to be, but the most memorable sporting event that you attended in person. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's take a quick break, then we'll be back to take your calls and your texts. The most memorable sporting event that you have attended in person. Stick around.
2: This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to take your calls. Here's Jeff Wagner.
3: And, of course, the Pop Culture Corner presented by Palermo's Pizza. We appreciate that. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The the best, the most memorable sporting event that you attended in person. Because that's, again, it's great to listen to games on the radio. It's great to watch games on television. But there's something about that in-person experience. Jeff, for me, it was game seven of the nineteen. 19- 93 Eastern Conference Finals. That would be NBA. Michael Jordan was absolutely brilliant. Jeff, it was in 93, <clears throat> the Eagle, Eagle River snowmobile races. Guy had a chance to, had the last chance to get into the main event. He won the race, uh, beating his brother, who was very dominant. Jeff, for me, it was the 2000 Daytona 500, working for Robert Yates Racing. By the way, we won that um race. Jeff, the best sporting event I had ever been at is when Wisconsin beat Kentucky in the Final Four, snapping Kentucky's thirty-eight game winning streak. Ironically, my daughter is a freshman at the University of Kentucky this year. When we moved her in, I wore Wisconsin gear and people didn't like that too particular much. I can I can sort of relate to that in a way because my stepdaughter and my son in law, or my stepdaughter in particular, huge Wisconsin fan, Wisconsin graduate, her her daughter our granddaughter, it just she's a freshman at Minneapolis, you uh, at University of Minnesota this year, and I, I know, you know, she's walking around in like uh, gopher gear, and I that that's kind of tough for the whole family to take. Jeff, I'm a huge LSU fan. I grew up in Louisiana and I've seen LSU play at Tiger Stadium a few years. I got the opportunity to go to the LSU Wisconsin game at Lambeau. It was a phenomenal experience. Other than the fact. That we lost. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you got that. Jeff, I saw Ken Holtzman throw a no-hitter against L.A. August of 1969. I was 11 years old. Didn't know what a no-hitter was. Um He pitched it with no strikeouts. Um Jeff, Final Four in Atlanta in 1977. Marquette won. That was Al McGuire's send-off. Yeah, that... Boy, it doesn't seem like that was that long. Jeff, I attended game six of the Bucks championship. This is Laura from Las Vegas. She says, I thought it was actually, absolutely, um, awesome. Jeff, the Badgers upset of Nebraska Cornhuskers, Huskers, who were the top rated football team in the early 1970s. Jeff, I was stationed at Fort, at Fort Polk in Louisiana in 1997. I got tickets to see the Pack win the Super Bowl. Hmm. Very, very, Cool. Jeff, um, let's see here. Um, A lot of great ones that are coming in. Uh, For me, uh, Jeff, it was Chris Jackie's game-winning field goal in overtime, October 1996 against the 49ers. I was sitting in the south end zone, the same end zone. He kicked the winning field goal in. It was an absolutely unbelievable game. Jeff, for me, it was the Brewers game. When Stephen Colbert came and ran in the racing sausage race, they even had a kid race as well later in the game. Colbert lost both. Laugh out loud. Stephen Westbend says, Tiger Woods hole in one at the GMO, that would be the greater Milwaukee Open, in 1966, 1996. Uh, and I believe it was his first hole in one on the PGA tour. He threw the ball into the crowd. Um, yeah, you've got that there. Uh, Jeff for me my family and I attended not one but three Stanley Cup trophy parties hosted by the Chicago Blacksho- Blackhawks owners it was an absolutely amazing experience Jeff I was lucky to win tickets to Super Bowl 31 it was a great game and one that I will always remember <clears throat> Jeff on my 12th birthday my dad surprised me with Bucks tickets and I got to watch um then Lou Alcindor, later, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, and Bobby Dandridge play. That was my favorite memory. Okay. A story about Bobby Dandridge, who was a forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. This shows you how basketball salaries have changed over the years. I grew up in Glendale in the neighborhood of Clovernook, just, uh, a little bit. It's, it's right next to Nicolay High School. Bobby Dandridge, Bucks forward, lived down the street from where I grew up. And these, these were not, these were not palaces. It was a nice, Middle class, maybe upper middle class sort of neighborhood. But Dandridge lived down the street. This was this was still back in the era where the professional athletes, a lot of times, they, they worked like second jobs in the winter and stuff like that. 855 Let's talk to Ruth in Watertown. Ruth, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon.
3: Okay. Best event you've been to in
0: person. Well, there's probably been a lot, but the one that always comes to mind, because the whole season was fun, was 1982, and when the Brewers clinched to go into the World Series, we were upper deck, front, and when they won, somebody's popping champagne bottles and (laughs) passing it around, and it's like, how did that get in here? Yeah. we made it to one World Series game, but it was like run on the field. Now what?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you so, know,
0: so just good memory.
3: Well, it, it is. And, and Ruth, first of all, first of all, you because we share the same memory. Um, Charlie, you you are the winner of our Palermo's Pizza prize package for today, so that that's good. You get the free pizzas and you get the pizza awesome. cutter and all that and stuff. I'm sorry. And go I ahead. Got through. And you got through. I, and abso- I
1: got through. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
3: And I, we understand. We're, we're, our engineering staff is working on that. But here's what's so cool about that, Ruth. I, I have had. I've had. I've been to lots of great events, and I. I went to the most recent Super Bowl where the Packers beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was a cool one to be at. But you know, if I had to answer the question, my answers would be the same as, as yours. I remember 1982. The Brewers playing the California Angels, um, and the Angels won the first two games on the road in California, and it comes back to Milwaukee, and I can remember I was living downtown at the time, and I, I had tickets, and so I like took – I rode on this bus just to go out there because I didn't want to have to drive, and the Angels fans were such – fill in the blanks they were so smug they were sure they were going to win and that was on friday and then they lost on friday and then saturday there was like a long rain delay or something and the brewers won and by the time the bus rides on sunday a lot of same people they were a lot quieter and then that what what is this spectacular game that sunday
0: right right and driving home people were just lining the streets yeah and it was just awesome. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, it was no. Th- thanks for, it, it it. That it's that is probably. i forget probably. I mean that's th- that is my favorite memory. That 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 whole weekend. But but certainly that that Sunday game and this is it, it's October. It's mid to late October. And I remember the Saturday game. There was a long rain delay and you know people just kind of hung around County Stadium. This was old County Stadium stuff. But t- to me. That, that's probably my, my favorite. 855-616-1620. Jeff, game five of the American League Championship Series 1982 over the left field wall and onto the field. Yeah, I, I think I ended up in the field, um, as well. Game five, ALCS. A lot of us, um, share the, the same memory. Um, uh, there, there's no uh, no doubt about it, Jeff. For me, it was the last Packer game at County Stadium, standing room only. They let me keep my ticket, which um, I gave to the biggest Packer fan I know. He was in tears, thanking me, saying this will be worth a lot of money someday. Guess I, I wish I had kept it. Yeah, for people who don't remember, the Packers used to play you know two games a year um, here in in Milwaukee. That was a couple people are mentioning the Ice Bowl. I um I didn't go to the Ice Bowl didn't go to the ice bowl, but my f- my first Packers game that I ever went to as a kid was the week before. They played at County Stadium, playoff game. They played the Los Angeles Rams, and um, I, I remember, I think my, my dad, he didn't want to go. He, he he fobbed me off on some friend, <laughs> I think, who, who took me to the game, and I remember we were, were sitting in the bleachers, which was one end zone, and I remember it just being really, really cold and figuring out the only place you could go to get warm was to go to the bathrooms back then. And so they were crowded, and I always thought if anybody really had to go to the bathroom, you you were in a lot of trouble because there just wasn't that much room. Let's talk to Ray. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today?
3: I am well, thank you. Your most memorable sporting event?
6: My most memorable sporting event happened at Miller Park at the time, now American Family Field. Right. It's the only time... A no hitter has been thrown there, and it wasn't even the Brewers weren't even involved. It was the Chicago Cubs versus the Houston Astros. Right. The Astros home, and the game was moved there because of a hurricane. Right. And Carlos Lambrano threw a no hitter. <laughs> yep. I, and I was in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah. At
3: Yeah, and and as I recall, there really weren't that many people there, right? I mean, they had a a special deal. Oh, no, there were
6: 9,000. Yeah. Yeah. There was almost nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. We had, like, almost the whole right-field bleachers to ourselves.
3: Yeah, that's what I, I think, That's what I remember. I remember that, and it, I don't know if it was Katrina or whatever, but, yeah, the, in, in, in Houston, the Astrodome was, was out of service, and so they moved the games up here to then Miller Park. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. A lot of people, this is kind of fun, uh, Nolan Ryan's 300th win, that would be cool. A couple people are mentioning that they were there when Robin Yount got his 3,000th base hit, which was interesting because that, I just I saw something about this on Twitter. Th- that that game wasn't televised. This, you know, for p- people might not remember, but they they didn't they didn't always a lot of home games weren't televised, and so the the game was not televised, and so there weren't a, a lot of the video of of Yount's three thousandth hit is kind of like shaky stuff from behind a home plate camera or something like that. For me, Jeff, it was the 1975 All-Star game at County Stadium. Great players, including Hank Aaron. But for me, the biggest draw was at age 12, seeing Willie Mays playing in an old-timers game. My dad took me, just so I could see, my favorite player. Well, look, I I hope, you know, if, if you're... If you're attending, whether you're attending a baseball game this week or you're attending a football game in the next few weeks, whether it's college or or, or pro or basketball coming up, that's the cool thing. I, I hope when you go in, you walk away with one of those, those special memories. And you never know. That's the great thing about live sports. You never know when you're going to go there and it's going to be the day that something really, really spectacular happens and it will stick in your memory. And you can call my show 10 years from now and you can say, I was there in 2022 when so-and-so did such-and-such. All right, thanks a lot for participating. And again, thank you to our sponsor, Palermo's Pizza, for making this fun every week.